All right. I think we're there. All right. Yes. All right. There we go, guys. Hey, how are y'all? Happy Monday. Um, hope you guys had a great weekend. Um, it's uh, It's been an awesome weekend for me personally. The market is crazy. I am happy. You know, back, back in the uh, spring, right before the pandemic, uh, one of my goals was to uh, really focus on providing value to people out there, other agents, other small business owners, um, you know, and and look for people that I could bring on and, and just talk. Um, the guy you're about to meet here, most of you know him, uh, Seth O'Byrne. Uh, we met about two years ago. Um, super, super good dude. Don't mean to brag on you. And look, he's showing off. Obviously, he's in Southern California. So I've got an ugly white, I got an ugly white wall behind me. He's probably has an ocean with waves back there. I, I do have a little bit of a window right there. I'm up high, so that that helps a little bit. But uh, anyways, I want to welcome Seth O'Byrne uh, on to the TP Talk podcast. We're gonna I'm gonna start doing this regularly, monthly again to hopefully provide some value out there. I know we've had a crazy year, um, but uh, Seth, thanks for coming on, buddy. How's it going? Thanks so much. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. So a little bit about Seth for you guys that don't know who he is. Uh, he is in the Southern California, San Diego market. He's a rock star. Him and his team, the O'Byrne team, uh, consistently sell over $100 million a year. Um, he, ha he has his, him and his, his partner, Mia Tidwell, who's a rock star. Um, you might have seen them on HGTV, their show Hot Properties San Diego. We'll touch on that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I met Seth two years ago out in San Diego. Uh, we collaborated a little bit together. I went and saw him speak and uh, we just connected. So we have a lot of the same vision when it comes to our business, our team. And I've always looked uh, uh, up to Seth as a mentor. So a few weeks ago, uh, the year, the new year, I shot him an email. I said, Seth, hey, you mind jumping on here with me? We'll, we'll jump on here, just kind of flow, talk about our businesses, uh, maybe provide some value to other agents, other small business owners. So here he is. So again, Seth, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thank you so much. Awesome, awesome. So uh, let's talk about, you know, what everyone's talking about, right? The pandemic, right? 2020. Personally, if you would have told me back in February, we were about to go through this global pandemic, the world was gonna come to a shutdown, I would have been on monster.com trying to figure out how to create a resume. I don't even have a resume. I bet you don't even have a resume either. No, so I'm unemployed. Um, but now, <laughs> especially January one every year, you're unemployed. That's, uh, but here we are January, 2021. Uh, I know personally myself and my team had our best year ever. I know you just killed it with your team. Uh, so tell me a little bit about, uh, your year in 2021, uh, what you did to navigate through the pandemic and, um, you know, how you how you got to the finish line and just killed it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, you know, in this year we're having uh, both, you know, our best year and also our most challenging year. And I think for most brokers, at least out here in, in my market in, in, in San Diego, 
this is the easiest year to have your best year. And it's also a year that if you're not, if you weren't set up for it, you might not be experiencing what everybody else has. You know, chiefly being in the business for a long time, having a big database, really, really important to have in this year because two things. One, if you've been in the business for a long time, you have listings, which is gold. In most of America, we have an inventory problem. There's not enough homes for sale for all the people that want to take advantage of the low interest rates. And so all these buyers flooded the market because money is cheap. Uh, and most people don't buy based on prices. They buy based on monthly budget. And when the rates drop, people want to buy. Uh, but there's not that many sellers. There's just simply not. We have the lowest inventory we've seen in decades um, with more buyers than we've ever seen in decades. And so, you know, that's number one. Number two, of course, you got to get really good at digital. And we, because a lot of things are being done now online because people are fearful of that, you know, belly to belly, you know, contact that they could, you know, get coronavirus or spread coronavirus or those sorts of concerns. So, if you were set up for digital and you've been in the business for a while, it, it makes a lot of sense. This would be your best year. And certainly this is one of our best years ever. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, let's talk about digital a little bit. Um, you know, I, I know when I met you, the first thing I noticed was uh, what you were doing online across social mm -hmm. media, YouTube, everything. Um, I, I've kind of taken a little bit of that and tried to, to grow that with my team and have been very successful. How important to you is digital media? And before we get into yeah. that answer, I'll tell you guys out there, if you're not following Seth and his team, I consider him kind of the goat of the West Coast digital media. Uh, <laughs> he put some really cool stuff out there. Um, and you agents on here listening, um, definitely follow him because he, he's right. You know, if you're not if you're not making videos, if you're not pumping these things out on social um, with the way our world is trending, I think you're going to fall behind as an agent. So, so let's talk a little bit about the importance of, of digital marketing for you. Yeah, you know, I mean, we are, you know, I got into the business in in 2000. Two, I had my first real estate related internship. And then 2003, I got my first real estate, um, you know, sort of paid job. And four, I got the business. In 2005, I started my team. It's just sort of late 20, 2004. And from the very beginning of like Zig Ziglar and Mike Ferry, and, you know, that was even Tom Ferry and all these coaches and Brian Buffini and all that stuff. It was all about belly. That was like a hot term. You can say belly to belly to kids nowadays. They're getting into the business. They don't even know what that means. But, you know, belly to belly with 20 people every single day. That's what, it, you know, knock on doors, meet people coffee shops, you know, interact with financial advisors, CPAs, accountants, you know, buy them coffee in the morning, buy them booze at night. And eventually you're famous and you can take over a town and, you know, I don't know, buy, buy that big body Benz that you always wanted. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you know, the world changed, right? Like I got into the business, the year I got into the business, Facebook had, was created and when I formed my team, Facebook came to do this. It was still .edu at the time, but I was broke. And so I didn't have any money and I knew that um, all the people I went to college were on Facebook. So I interacted and started doing business from that. And I was like, oh great, this is a free way to make money. And San Diego, you know, means a lot because their transactions are huge, your commission's huge. So 
2A to make pretty amazing money for a one-year-old. Um, you know, driving my mom's station wagon. I was still living in the dormitories. Um, you know, selling real estate. I mean, it was pretty bananas. I was finishing up college there. Um, and then that began this kind of like, I was from the very beginning trained to be in digital. So yeah. I was early to the market, but again, it started because I was broke and I was in college. Didn't start because I was some digital visionary, um, but you know, 15 years in social media, digital real estate marketing, uh, the amount that you learn over that span of time is just, it's hard to calculate. Um, the real challenge now is we're in a crowded marketplace where everybody has an iPhone and they all want to show you what they look like dancing to the new Justin Bieber track. Um, and you know, jam. some guys have better abs, some, 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 uh, by the way, my kids running around here. Welcome, welcome to quarantine in California. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, some guys have better abs. Some guys sell better uh, houses. Uh, certainly most people want to look at that. I know want to look at pretty girls rather than my balding face, but, uh, but you know, it's a crowded marketplace and it's hard to get attention. So I think the interesting thing is it's not about having a Facebook or an Instagram or a LinkedIn account. It's about like, what are you saying? Are you educating? Are you entertaining? Is it fun? Is your content self-serving or is it something that people like watching? And if you can create media that people actually want to watch, now you have a shot of becoming memorable. And that is when things start working. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And, you know, one thing I learned from like the Gary V's and all of that is, you know, every, every piece of content I try to put out there uh, provides some type of value to someone else. It's not, you know, you go to real estate school and you open that big old book and you go to these classes and you know, everyone's doing the same thing. Do this, do this, do this. You yeah. know, there's 20, I, I believe the stat is in the last 10 years in Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, licensed realtors went from like 16,000 to 29,000. So every single corner of this town, there's a real estate agent, right? So yeah. I, what I do and what I see you do very, very well is provide that value. It's not a look at me, right? No one wants to look at me. I'm 40 something bald dude, but, um, you know, you. <laughs> provide some type of value to the client. Um, and, and I know before we, we jumped on here, we were kind of chatting about, you know, whether it's okay to walk around with your phone, uh, you know, at a listing, people are so worried about, it being perfect, but, but just put the content out there, you know, walking around with your phone shows you, shows the viewer out there that you're real. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so mixing super quality content. Uh, and, and you had mentioned you, you're, you're kind of trending away from the, there's, there he is. Is he, have, yeah. does he have his clothes on? He's got his moon jammies, which he's really into. They have a series of moons and the different moon phases. Okay. So, All right. I went through that. I went through that in my early thirties and then the moon jammies. <laughs> yeah. Now I just kind of nude up in the backyard every once in a while, but oh, you know, I like it. So you're, you're in Texas, bro. Let your freak flag flow. You can do whatever you want in <laughs> <you have> space. So no, just, just, uh, we talked about, you know, you're kind of getting away from the over the top professional, luxurious putting that video out there now it's important for listings but b 
being able to see your kid run around in the little show you do with your kid. Uh, yeah, you're totally. That is awesome. So, you know, agents out there, that that's something that I strive to do. I think that's huge because it shows you you're real. You're not just some dude driving around, you know, selling real estate, putting signs in the yard. So, um, yeah, yeah. And to that point, bro, like I think that this is the important thing to underscore is what we misunderstand because of our lack of confidence and our desire to overcompensate because we want to impress people into working with us. Oh, man. What we do is we create an image of ourselves that is the, what we believe the other person wants to see. And so yeah. we create this superman with superpowers or superwoman that is not realistic, is unattainable, mm -hmm. and is not relatable. But we do it not because that's what the consumer tells us they want. We do it because we think that's what they want to see. So we kind of create these little mini monsters. We all know how much we don't like seeing, you know, a realtor posing in one of his Mercedes or, you know, talking about how many millions of dollars of homes that they sold. But like, guess what? Like we fall into it every day. We have to resist the desire to not create marketing based on our lack of self-confidence and our desire to overcompensate with the consumer, but rather recognize that the consumer is scared and has confidence issues and has a, a guilt about investments they didn't or houses they didn't made or, you know, not taking that job and making more money so they can't buy a more expensive home. They have anxiety about what's going on with the capital markets, what's going on with the real estate market, what's going on with rates. Like the capital just got stormed. Like, People are, if you address, if you think of all the people viewing your stuff as scared little bunnies, just like you know you are, a human being going through a very weird world and you give them respite from that by providing humor or education or entertainment, you 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 gain their their heart. And that I think is what's so important. Yeah, I'm a, I love uh, stand-up comedy. It's a big part of my life is, watching stand-up comedy at night and listening to appointments. It's the funnest way I can just get through the day and just enjoy what I do. And I always think about what is that magic art of stand-up comedian that we, we feel like, why do we fall in love with Ellen DeGeneres? Why do we fall in love with Kevin Hart? Why do we fall in love with these like big stand-up kids? It's because they said these things that we've been thinking in our head, but we've never vocalized. And they yeah. said it in a way that they're like, Oh my God, I've been there. You know, like I hate, I hate the tiny peanuts when I fly in an airplane or, you know, like I, you know, this is, you know, really good point. Like, how do you open a YoPlay thing or whatever, you know, whatever it is. I think, I think by doing this, it forces you to be really honest. But I think that there's another layer of honesty and authenticity that we all have to approach. Sorry, I'm getting a little sun flare here. We're getting that beautiful Southern California sun. Look at that. It yeah, that's fake. Let's it's fake. It's fake. He, he, no, I know. It's like, yeah, exactly. You, well, you know me. I'm in production. So um, it probably is fake. But anyways, so, sorry, long story short. Um, I think, and I'll fix it in a sec when I finish my thought. But I believe that one of the most important things that we can do is um, make our content authentic in the way we shoot it with our iPhones or our Androids, if you're weird. Um, but also <laughs> make our messaging um, authentic as well. And I think that's an important, um, nuance is we need to make our messaging incredibly authentic. So, um, you know, 
we keep a lot of the flubs and stuff that we shoot. We shoot, you know, I shoot from the hip when I speak for the most part. And, um, you know, and I think, I think that, um, leaving in the ums and uhs and all that other stuff is completely fine. Like I told you, like the stuff I love that I see that you do on Facebook more often than not is the stuff that you do with your iPhones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let, you know, this leads me into, and I'm thinking my mind's just going, I'm, I'm loving this. This is gold content here. So uh, let's talk a little bit, you and I about our clients. What, what are we doing to grow our business? You know, I, I would say I'm on, I'm on the lower percentile of population when it comes to, Hey, grow your business. And I'm, and I'm going to tell a little story and I'm not going to get it exactly right. And I'll let Seth chime in. But, uh, when I first met Seth in person a couple years ago, uh, I flew in early, took a flight from, uh, Dallas at four in the morning. We did a, an American dream shoot at one of his listings. It was awesome. Uh, but prior I went and watched him speak at a, at a conference back when the world was, you know, normal and we could actually interact with people face to face, but, uh, you know, and it was a panel and big mega agents from Southern California, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And, you know, that went through each one of them and, and Seth was last and the first people, First two agents, you know, hey, I wake up at eight in the morning at eight, eight oh five. I go to the bathroom at eight oh six. I drink some water <laughs> at eight oh seven. I call, call 10 people. Then I go for a walk at eight fifteen, eight thirty. You know, I, I cold call more people. Then I go door knocking. Then I do this. Before I get into that, you know, the great thing, let me say, let me preface the great thing about our business is that you can build a mega business that way. That's great. You know, if we were accountants or lawyers, or, you know, there, there's kind of only one lane in those in those businesses and real estate. It's great because, you know, you could be that time blocking machine that is door knocking and paying Zillow hundreds of thousands of dollars to interact with people you have no relationship with. And you can build a huge business. I personally have built my business and I and, and this is what made me click with Seth. Totally opposite, um, you know. I like to work with friends. I like to have fun. And I'll, I'll chime in on what Seth, Seth said. It went to these three or four a agents and he's up on a big stage talking to a couple hundred people. And, it, and, and, you know, they're stressing the importance of this, this, this. And Seth gets up there and goes, look, I just like to make goofy ass videos, work with my friends, have a few cocktails and somehow it works out. And yeah. that, I mean, you know, when you hear a comment and you just go, oh, my gosh, that is just that's it. That's it. And uh, ever since I heard that, you know, I've just latched on to this guy. And, and, and because that's exactly the way I I operate my business. You know, I have personally have no interest in working with Sally and Steve an hour and a half away in Rockwall, Texas, who call me on a Zillow lead. You know, yeah. I'd rather work with my buddy who I went to college with, his brother and sister who are just moving here and so excited to be in South Lake or Trophy Club or Keller or Dallas or wherever you want to be because it's emotional. I, li I like to get into it. You know, um, I feel like I provide more value to them. So long winded there. But Seth, <laughs> tell me your take on that. 
I think that, you know, a couple things. One, uh, you know, and, and, you know, if it, I was, I, I never worked for Keller Williams, but I read that millionaire real estate agent book that yeah. Gary Keller put out, which I, I, I thought was a phenomenal book. Yeah. And, you know, he talks, I think it's like chapter two, might be chapter one, where he talks about, you know, in the beginning, people like freestyle and they do all these things. He shows like a line of people like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And yeah. I'm going to do this. And, uh, you know, it's like, I'm going to door knock and then I'm going to, you know, do Instagram and then I'm going to, you know, take out TV ads. Um, and then, but what he goes is, you know, you can freestyle it. You have to master it first. Yep. And the best way to master it is just copy people, you know? Um, you know, that's what every great artist does. That's what every great entrepreneur does is study what other people did that was successful and just make it work. Like make dollars first, then be like, then you can go, does this work for me? Like, do I want to wake up every morning and do this? And, um, one of the great joys of my life is the moments where I realize that I can do whatever the hell I want that there is no governor on my happiness and there's no governor on my life. And truly the only one that's ever been holding me back for getting the life that I want is always been me. I've never been a victim of anybody else's impression about what I'm supposed to be. In fact, I mean, I grew up in such a wonderful, blessed, you know, life because my, my mom and my dad just, they let me do whatever the hell I want to do. I like painted black fingernails when I was in high school and listened to punk rock and tried to become a pro snowboarder. And then I, you know, and then tried to become an actor and, and, you know, I was one of these kids where like my old uniform was like that I had just gotten two months later was like stuffed in a closet because now I was on to a new sport Oh yeah, and, and I never did anything long enough. So I knew I loved something that fed my ADD. Um, and I also kind of maybe it's just someone who just like loves life. Like I just want to like continue to try new things. I, I that idea of like I wake up at 7 a.m. and make these phone calls and then coffee and then I do my CrossFit and then I you know, call, you know, these 20 other people. Um, like I didn't get into this business to be in a call center. Um, nor did I get into this business to do the same thing forever for the rest of my life. And so the dynamic qualities to the real estate market changing over the last 20 years has been invigorating because it always gives me a new challenge. Um, and certainly sometimes I'm sure all of us business owners, um, hate challenge because we like it when things are easy and we know what we're doing. But the flip side is, you know, your life becomes a lot more interesting um, and your business becomes more invigorating. Um, and so when I look at that, like very, very structured way to run a business, that makes sense for someone. Yeah, um, it works. It works. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, I don't want my life to begin when I leave the office. I want my office life to be part of my life. Yep. And so, you know, when we make you know, goofy fun. Like we have a really funny video coming out. Like when we make goofy ass videos or, you know, a toddler talks was just like, I was on quarantine. I was locked in in the back of my house and, and my, my kid was growing up, you know, at, you know, one, one and a half years old and didn't know what to do either. We were, we were both trapped. And so like, I have a little putt putt course and we just like set up a TP and we're like, what if I just talk about like rich and famous people that just bought houses and I pretend that like my one and a half year old son, then two years, two years by the time the season was done, um, or season, it was just eight episodes, um, is like supposedly my producer and supposedly he's like writing and talking like he's the one with the inside dirt. He's like the, the, the Perez Hilton. And, 
um, just this ongoing joke. And like, I don't know, my videographer would come over back then, like super masked uh, up and stuff, of course, <laughs> and set up a bunch of cameras. We'd set up the TP. My wife would help me. We would drink beers and we would film this thing called Toddler Talks. It was all about like, a, uh, it was, it was about celebrity real estate. It was about real estate. You got to see mega houses. You got to hear funny things about pop culture, but more than anything, you got to see a guy doing the best he could to keep his son entertained during a really rough time. And that's really like the heart of why I kept doing it. But then what I didn't anticipate was, you know, across all platforms, almost a million views of this, you know, smut show about celebrity real estate. You know, Bob Lowe buys a new house. Guess what? Did you know that, you know, Michael Jackson actually modeled his fake chin off of Rob Lowe's chin? So it's just like, you can get lost in it because it's just like, there's so many random factoids that don't make any sense yeah. at non sequiturs. But at the end of the day, social media is a non sequitur. It is, it is the non-smokers cigarette. Like it is, it is a fidgety little thing we do when we're on the toilet, when we're driving, when we don't want to listen to our husband or wife talk anymore, when we're on a zoom call and we just need a break. Um, you know, social media is a diversion and anyone who thinks it's anything else is missing the whole point is yeah. people, people want to explore. That's why real estate works well on social media is people like to, you know, vicariously live through the real estate we sell. Mm -hmm. But I think that's where our aspirational qualities should probably end. I think this idea that realtors are the people that should be seen as the Tony Robbins of their neighborhood. I, 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 I argue that that is a, most people don't want to see that. Yeah. Like most people don't look at their realtor and they're like, this guy's doing everything right. I want life advice from this guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's like definitely, and I'm sure we've all seen that. I think agents in every market is doing that. I think like, it's cool to be on your grind, but I do think it's really important to like, I notice that when I skateboard with my kid, I get way more activity than when I shoot a video about like, me waxing philosophical about how I went through the recession. And, yeah. and for many, many, many years, almost 10 years, I just didn't listen to that. I was like, well, this is what I want to make. And I think this is what people want to watch. And the reality is, is like, no, like people want to see you with their family and you'll get more business posting photos in you and your kids now than photos of you and your houses. That's insane. Yeah. But that's the honest to goodness reality and I think some agents don't want to believe it. And I think some agents are so obsessed with Ryan Searhaunt, um, as I am as well. We're all so fascinated by this incredibly, you know, figure that incredible figure that casts a shadow on the whole marketplace of digital media and real estate that we forget, like, we're not Ryan Searhaunt. Like, yeah. and your clients aren't Beyonce. Like, your clients yeah. are your neighbor. Your client that works with you already knows your kid. They would rather yeah. see your kid then you talk about like something you just saw on CNBC that you want to regurgitate, you know, on video. Yeah. And you know, one thing, this might not be a, a, a popular comment coming from me, but you know, do you, and, and this is a yes or no for agents again, because there's so many ways to be successful in our business, but me personally, you know, I look at someone like Ryan Serhant, great dude. I mean, just killing it, right? But he gets up at 4 a.m. <laughs> and he gets home at 1 in the morning. Yeah, exactly. 
Now it's going to be interesting to see a dude like that now that he has a little baby. And you know, my kids are a little older, nine and 12. So I went through that. Your kids are younger. You're going through that now. It, it changed your perspective. You know, um, when I, I was that 14 hour a day guy, just because one, my ADHD wouldn't let me slow down, but I've always been super competitive and, you know, I was busting my ass in the beginning and I've told this story a (laughs) hundred times, you know, it was probably four or five years ago and my business had just started to really kick off. And, you know, I was going straight off adrenaline, right? I was my first couple of years, everyone's telling me how great I'm doing. And I was flat broke because what I was doing is putting all my money back into the business, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, and all your time back in the business too, on top of it. And you know, Miss Big Confident Tommy on on paper is behind the doors going, holy shit, what am I gonna have to do to actually make money? Like everyone's telling me, you know, rookie of the year, this, that, that. I'm like, <laughs> so I got to the point where my business started to go, making money, great. I was going straight on adrenaline, you know, working by myself. Uh, and I still don't know how the hell I did that, but, uh, we were in New York spring break. So it was probably five years ago, almost, you know, to this day. Um, and we went to, it was my wife and my two daughters, Ella and Mia, and we went to see Aladdin, right. And Broadway. Great. Oh, everyone's pumped. My girls are just pumped. They're little, you know, they were probably, uh, three and, you know, uh, eight. So, they're wearing their princess dresses to the show. <laughs> and everything. Well, you know, I, I probably had six or seven listings go on that week and had some buyer deals. And, and, and my wife's been always supportive to me. She knew I, I had to bust my tail to, to grow that business. Well, we get into the theater. Everyone's excited. I look down at my phone. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, the perfect storm, like three, I forget what it was, but like three deals just fall through right there. And it's call me, call me, call me, call me, call me. I look at Vanessa. I'll be right back. Right. Well, she just goes, okay. I go upstairs about two and a half hours later, the doors open and I'm still in the hallway on the phone. And my oldest daughter, Elle at the time was probably, you know, seven, eight. So she was starting to get what I do. And she comes up to me and goes, daddy, all you do is work. And I mean, you could have picked this, this, this deal right here and just went, right. (laughs) I mean, that's what it felt like. Yeah. And that it was that second and I'll never forget it. And, and my wife, it's so funny because my wife is lover to death. We're totally opposite when it comes to optimism and, and, and being pessimistic, you know, you give me an idea or whatever it's okay, let's do it. And then, after we sign the deal, I'm like, all right, we'll figure out how to do this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Build, you know, the, build the parachute after you fall out of the plane. Yeah, yeah. So where she is, you know, methodical on her thinking and, oh, is this okay? Are you sure? But, but it was her that pulled me to the side and goes, because big, confident Tommy on paper wasn't very confident. I, every day I woke up, am I going to get another deal? Am I going to be able to do this? Is it, you know, it didn't look that way. Uh, and she pulled me to the side and goes, this isn't changing. Like this, your business is not going to stop. You're, you're very good at what you do. 
and this isn't going to stop. So you need to figure it out. Yeah. Basically yeah. get your shit together. Right. And figure uh, out so from that day, that's when I kind of flipped over and said, you know what, it's not all about just grinding and, and, you know, all of that and getting up at five and pushing till 11 and, and, uh, yeah. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. I know I went off on a tangent a little bit, but, um, I, I, I love it. I love it. And, and honestly, Tommy, I, I remember you told me that story one time and it was interesting at the time that you told me the story, I thought I got it. And then I had kids and I really get it. Yeah. Cause I think the thing that we're also afraid to tell our clients because our clients call us at midnight and 10 and 10 at night, yeah. and on Sunday, you know, I was on the phone late last night and it was a Sunday night. And, uh, you know, we wrote an offer, big house. It was a big house we wrote an offer on. So it was, you know, you know, t tensions were kind of high, emotions were high. And so, you know, I was on working late and like, we're, we're afraid to tell people sometimes like, Hey, like I'm going to go do whatever I want for a couple hours. Man, I work for you, but you know, I'm also a human being and I, I deserve space and you know, I'm going to go, I don't know. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go like hang out with my kids and figure out like what this bugs deal is all about or go like bird watching or, you know, for my son, he's like, he's like, he likes moving trash cans right now for some reason in my front yard. We look like the Beverly Hillbillies of Solana beach, but we, um, you know, I'm like, I'm going to go move trash cans for five hours on a Sunday and I'm not yeah. calling him back because I'm in trash moving. Yeah. And so, um, so it's interesting because I think when you start giving yourself permission um, and you start giving yourself permission to be a good father or, or, or wife or, or mother or husband or, or whatever, you know, your station in life is and whatever you want, whatever's important to you. What's interesting is um, you very quickly start attracting the types of clients that respect that. Um, and the clients who don't respect that, you know, it's weird. The universe just stops serving them up to you. Yeah. Um, you start getting a reputation that you're not the guy that's going to be available all night. I had, I had an interesting thing. So I don't do a lot of Yelp business anymore. I, I'm one of those people that believe at least in the big cities, Yelp, that Yelp ships kind of sailed. Yeah. But, um, we, we, we did, if I look at the couple things that were pivotal in our business, Yelp was one of them. Um, we, I probably sold maybe $200 million in real estate from Yelp alone. I mean, it was, it was, it's kind of hard to put into words how instrumental it was to the growth of our company. And in the very early years, you know, seven, eight years ago when Yelp was crushing it and we were like first to market with having a big page and lots of reviews and really sophisticated, we, we were like very thoughtful about how we used that platform. Um, we had, I had this little thing in my bio, which was at that time, the first thing that you read when you go to someone's Yelp page has changed since then, but said, you know, we're available 24 seven, call us anytime. We're here to solve any problem. No problems too complicated, blah, blah, blah. We're this, we're that. We're going to, you know what I mean? You know, we're going to, you know, you know, get the hairballs out of your cat's mouth for you. We're going to, you know, fix your marriage. Like we basically like made every promise <laughs> And above everything, we said our availability was just, yeah. you know, when you're ready, we're here sitting around. And what's weird is that was, I want to say that was like 2015. Um, could have been 16. I experienced a huge growth spurt, but I 
got into some of the most toxic relationships with clients I've ever had. And I had, um, and I've had in my life panic attacks. I think, I think it's kind of not talked about in entrepreneurship. The panic attacks are like, it's a thing. Like when you get that call, that call me, call me, call me in Aladdin, like, you know, that might be a mild version of it, but dude, you panic when you're in business, oh, yeah. like, especially in the customer business, like stuff gets really real, really fast. And, and, you know, that's very jarring for most people. And, um, and you know, I, I went through like a full on panic attack. I did this horrible deal with this horrible client and it was, you know, and she, she ended up, she ended up, you know, we ended up closing the deal. Then she ended up doing some other deal. And then she got in some horrible spat with that person. And then later I met some other person that she did a deal with, who was a friend of mine was like, Oh my God, you worked with the same person. She was, I've never been, you know, it was horrible. And I lost sleep for months about it. And, you know, and unfortunately that kind of situation does occur. But what I realized was, was I was just saying all the, in fact, it was my assistant that was like, you tell people you're available all the time. Like you're going to not only tell people that wouldn't call you at midnight to call you at midnight. You're telling all those people out there that will never respect anyone they work with time. These are people that yell at the waiter when they bring the wrong drink. Um, You're attracting those people into your life. And, and, and so this is of your making Seth. So I went in and I took out a single sentence in my Yelp page, single sentence. That business went away in, in, in 30 days. I stopped getting those clients. Yeah. And so it's like, be really careful about what you say to the universe and what you say in your messaging, because, um, you know, I guess that might dovetail into this conversation about like messaging around, like, how do you be a luxury agent and also, you know, do moderate price points, but like your messaging is everything. And if you're putting out the wrong messages, you're going to get the wrong kind of business. And I'll say, if something's going on in your life or your business that you don't like, I, I would argue that, that, that a lot of it has to do with the messages that you're putting out there. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that. Uh, you know, uh, th- the last two years I've really worked hard at it, you know, because, when my phone rings or you get that text, you, you do panic and it's, oh, I got to respond. I got to respond. Right. But I feel like if you take a step back and, you know, it's OK to go to the driving range with your daughter for an hour. You can tell your client that, too. You know, it used to be, oh, I'm in a meeting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm on a conference call. No, I'm spending time with my daughter. Right. Yeah. So uh, and, it, and it it gave me a sense of relief. And it's just funny how when you change your mindset that way, not only does your mind clear up your business, then the business that starts coming in. Yeah. It's, it's the people, it's a lot more clear. It's the people you want to work with. Right. Um, so you touched on a great point. Uh, one thing that I have struggled with over the last two years, you know, I got in this business a little bit after you, it's been nine, nine and a half years. Um, I, I built my business in a, in an 851 home community. Uh, I'd like to say I, I outsmarted everyone. I just got lucky. I got <laughs> in the right time. Uh, the builders were moving out. So no big agents had really grasped onto that community, uh, worked my tail off. And, you know, that's how I kind of got my business going. That was that mid-range price point. I know when we're talking Southern California and, and, and Dallas, Fort Worth, price points are, awesome. are 
you know, um, when I say two hundred fifty, three hundred fifty thousand dollars, that's probably like a, a shed uh, somewhere in, in San Diego. But you know that that three hundred, three fifty level is kind of that mid level point that I love. Uh, I was fortunate enough over the last couple of years to to build some relationships, get lucky, get really lucky, uh, and jump into more of a luxury market. Now the struggle for me was, and, and I know when I first met you, you had talked about this and that's when I wasn't really, I was just dipping my toe into the luxury market. So I really didn't understand what you were saying. Uh, but now I get it. You know, I have struggled because I am that $350,000 listing person. And multiple times over the last year and a half, you know, a, a friend or a past colleague will call me and go, oh, well, I, I, I didn't call you. We wanted to, but we just thought you used to sell that fancy stuff, that million, <laughs> million plus stuff. And I'm like, no, yes, I do. Yeah. But the core of my business is that mid-range uh, business. And it's, nothing, it's something that I never want to let go because, as we know, at some point, these markets are going to do this. And that that mid-range business, that's going to stay solid. So tell yeah. me a little bit about how you coped with that. Um, and then I also want to get into it just dawned on me because I think you made a video a few years ago that that kind of showed people that, hey, I'm still the skater dude that tried to be a pro, you know, snowboarder, then was an actor. And it was called Rex and Rhonda. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, on that a little bit, but tell me like wh what you did, how you struggled with that, and when you're trying as an agent getting into the luxury market, uh, uh, you know, how did you how did you balance that? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the first things first is you get into luxury marketing and luxury real estate transactions uh, through messaging. You have to change your messaging, you know, how you talk, how you walk. You off real quick. I don't know if you can see the co comments. That's so funny. George Shaver, he's their clients of mine. I've sold two of their homes and look what he said. I I thought, yeah, that's what I thought as well. Right. And he was in my neighborhood that I built my business in. So anyways, <laughs> Go ahead. well, yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's all messaging, right? Like, you know, the words you say are important and the words you put online are important and, and all the content that you put online is important. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that I recognize very quickly is that if I wanted to be in the market, I needed to say I was in the market. So, you know, as you know, and I know you came to one of my talks, like it's, you know, my, it's my real journey that I've shared with people, but you know, I, I launched this thing called aerial VIP where we show homes in helicopters. And that was the way that I said, hey, I'm here to sell houses to the wealthy, to the international, to the national. Uh, it was good for home sellers because they're like, oh, I'm dealing, I have four different people to hire. I certainly am hiring a person that has made a commitment to luxury. Uh, and hey, this is cool. Like I can tell the person that I see at the next cocktail party, I hired an agent that shows homes and helicopters. Whoa, that's cool, right? So like it helped, like it helped. My, my price point doubled in less than 20, 24 months. And um, it, it never went back. I mean, just gone. It's doubled. And then and then it doubled again after that when I started um, creating a lot of media around the high-end uh, high listings that I was doing. So what I did was when I got a $3 million listing, 
I marketed it all the time. So people kept seeing Seth in this $3 million listing. And then it was Seth in this five and then 10 and 15 and $20 million listing. It just go, went up and up and up and up. And so, you know, when I would get those big listings, I would spend more of my time on social media marketing those so that I could track more of those because we know that, you know, it's an incredibly efficient use of time as because, you know, literally if I sell $5 million home, that's 10, $500,000 transactions. It's an incredible use of time and it's one of the quickest ways you can grow your revenue. Um, but what I started realizing was my business was actually going down. My transaction count was going down, but my revenue was also going down and I was starting to hear something that I just couldn't live with, which was clients of mine that I had worked with since I was 20 and I got into the business calling somebody else because like, oh, this guy's hungry and wants it. And he's yeah, like, more you're, in too fancy. Point. you're too fancy. That's what they're you're too saying, fancy. Right? You're like eating caviar and, yeah. you know, in an open door, you know, helicopter. And, you know, I don't know, just taking gold jet skis to oceanfront houses. And like <laughs> nothing could be further from the truth. I was plunging toilets, you know, on tract houses to get like the, you know, the, get the house to look as good as possible before, before the open house. Like, nothing about luxury real estate is actually fancy in reality. Like it's the same business. It's actually, I think way tougher, but, and, and way less sexy because you're dealing with a lot of sometimes somewhat grimy stuff on home. These, you know, 10,000 square foot house home inspection is complicated. Yeah. And so anyways, um, so Rex and Rhonda was launched because I wanted to create a fun way of explaining Seth sells houses to everybody. So I was like, well, what if, you know, that was right when the inflatable dinosaurs came out. And I was like, well, what if I sell a house to two dinosaurs? Um, and it was a way of showing me being fun and friendly. And it was kind of like a, you know, not so obvious, but somewhat very obvious way of me saying like, I'm everybody's realtor. Um, from that then went this aha moment. Comedy is everything. You know, yeah. I believe comedy is the currency of the internet. And um, I also believe that comedy is the currency of, 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 of all humans. And so, uh, and comedy was thankfully something I was really fond of and I had a lot of background in. So, you know, now comedy is usually 50% of what we do or close to it. Because if you're rich or you're on your way up, you know, out here in San Diego, we call them Henry's high earner, not rich yet. These are people on their way up, <laughs> but they don't have their bank accounts you wouldn't know that they were successful, but the, their paychecks just get more and more and yeah. more, you know, on their way to become partner as an attorney, they're going through residency. They're about to become a doctor. They run a small business and they're about to get purchased. These, the Henry's, and then the people that are like, look, like I'm going to make the same amount in 15 years that I make now. Um, and I need to buy a house where my payments are, very moderate because I'm not going to earn more to buy the next yeah. aspirational house. I'm all about keeping expenses low. So that's how I can get my breathing room in life, you know, and everyone has different goals, but comedy works for all three of those. And so what I try now not to do is delineate luxury from moderate. And I try to use comedy as much as possible. Um, but I think there is definitely something where, with like my Instagram, I don't share a lot of my like 350, 550, 650 homes um, because a couple things. One, my audience on Facebook buys those homes. My audience on Instagram primarily does not. My Instagram actually trends more luxury than the demographic of my followers. Um, 
and and also just being real like on instagram people want to dream so so you know people want to see things that they can't afford that's part of it it's not me being like i'm mr cool guy it's like no like this is what people want to see on the internet like you know what i mean like if you drive a toyota camry you don't have a poster of a toyota camry on your wall right like you know i don't like i love the house i live in but i think about bigger houses uh, and that's just the truth of, of aspiration. And so I think, I think um, when we talk about our more moderate stuff, we try to do it with comedy and with fun. Mm-hmm. We talk about our luxury stuff. We can do it comedy and fun, but then that's the time where we can also flex our muscle and do something more cinematic and cool. But again, I think at the end of the day, if you make someone feel good, when they see your content, they're like, I love that guy, Tommy. Every time I see his content, I smile. Um, which for me is my dog, my kids, my humor. And if I can be in those lanes, I'm winning. Um, if someone feels good when they see you online, um, it doesn't matter what their financial background is. And I think you can use that, use humor as a way to transcend all price categories. Um, and by the way, like my real estate practice is not novel in any way, you know, um, you know, millions of companies over hundreds of years have used comedy to bridge economic gaps. Yeah. Um, And I believe that is again, why Ellen DeGeneres is a billionaire and her humor is still funny. Um, You know, or, you know, Jerry Seinfeld is almost a billionaire, but you still can relate when he talks about, you know, you know, having something stuck in his tooth when he's talking to his friend and being embarrassed and mad that no one told him. Humor brings everyone down and boils everyone down to like it almost uses ether to break everyone down to our basic component, which is being alive is difficult and humorous and absurd. And if we can have fun with that, um, you know, uh, you know, we, we're all so much more connected. So, I mean, this this is great, and I, you've got me thinking. My mind is is just going, and and you know, one thing that. And it all ties together, you know, everything from staying in your lane, you can tie that to your social media, the way you run your business, all of that. But the big thing, um, you know, that I see from you and other agents out there, but I, for me personally, I think it is, is the key. I think it's the key for me being successful and being successful with my team. And I feel like you have the same same trait. And it's, you know, the, the great thing about real estate, whether you're a real, real estate agent, a, a lender, uh, you own a, a, a boutique in, in downtown Dallas selling, you know, uh, hair pieces, uh, you know, whatever. You, there's so many agents out there that, that have one play, right? They have one play. And I, I talk about it with my team all the time, you know, from the way, when I get a call from a client, let's just use an example. If it's a three and a half million dollar home in Westlake and they're 65 years old and uh, they're too big, you know, the husband and wife, maybe the husband's a big executive for some big company. Well, from the way I dress, from the way I talk to them, the way I listen to them, to the way I approach them, to the way I present their listing online, uh, social media, through the brochures, everything, I I make an adjustment, right? Yeah. To where if my homie from college calls me and 
him and his wife want to go look at, it doesn't matter the price point. It could be 400,000. It could be 1.5 million, $2 million home. I'm going, you know, in my, in my jeans and my button down and, you know, maybe my hat backwards and we're going to go have time, have a good time. And my whole approach is different. Uh, And, and I feel like that, that, that's what people in our industry. And I think people throughout other industries, small business owners, for me, that has always been my secret sauce. And I preach that to my team. Um, You obviously have that basically just from what you were talking about and watching you. It's not a direct, okay, I'm going to put my, you know, I'm going to go put my suit on and my tie and roll. Because honestly, if I go show my buddy's younger sister and and brother-in-law who are 28, 25, just got married and I roll up in in a fancy car and a $1,500 suit and my hair slick. Oh, nope. No hair slick back. (laughs) You got that covered. That's intimidating to them, right? That's intimidating. But on the flip side, so um, what you just said there, it's interesting how I feel like that, ties to everything you know from your social media you made a great comment about instagram like on your instagram people want to dream they want to see drake they want to pop bottles you know they want to they want to be that facebook is more family driven you know more centered um so you know a question i have for you and especially for the people watching if if you if you're struggling with social get what's some advice for an agent that wants to get their Instagram going or their Facebook going, you know, what do they do? Yeah. I think, well, I think first, you know, find people that are like you in industry and in style and follow them and study what they do. Um, I don't believe much like that Gary Keller thing of like freestyling in the beginning, rather it's like, get, get your whatever, figure out three different things that you post, right? For us, it's like, we like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I like this mantra of great quotes. Um, I know Tommy, you're into that as well. And so, you know, I like sharing great quotes. Like we create memes always in the same exact font style of like great quotes that I love. I found someone said, that's really easy. I don't, I create, you know, 30, usually I do 30 quotes per month. Um, I create them per month and then we spread it out every couple of days. And, um, so I like great quotes. Um, and then I like, you know, family photos. Cause I just, you know, you don't want to, you know, you got to share it. Your kids are so dang cute. The world's got to see it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, and then I'm all about, you know, houses, everything that I do always has to do with houses. Yeah. I'm, I'm very much focused in 2020 and 2021. So those are the three things I do. If I do those three things, I win. Um, but with, for, for people out there that are trying to get going, you need to identify what your things that you do are just start doing those and don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Um, I think social media by design forces us to question ourselves every flipping day. Yeah. And, and I would, once you pick a lane, do it for a couple months and then like, don't worry about it. And by the way, if social media doesn't work immediately, guess what? It never has. Yeah. Never in the history of social media. There's no such thing as an overnight success in small businesses on social media. Doesn't exist. Never did. Never did. Yeah. Like 
this whole like people to get invited on to Steve Harvey or Ellen DeGeneres or the Tonight Show because you know some kid did a dance or some person did a viral video. That is such a small percentage that it, it's it's ba- it's virtually impossible. And I think it's easier for us to say that doesn't exist than to spend all our time worrying about how to you know do the next TikTok dance that makes us the realtor of Atlanta, Georgia that everybody wants to work with. Like that, that doesn't exist. And it's fleeting, even if you get a little bit of virality. I've certainly got virality on my stuff. It goes away and then it's gone. Social media is meant to build things brick by brick, just like business. And, and, and when you look at the difference between customers or friends or followers, which is what you got on social media, especially on on Instagram, they're followers. These are people that you have they have to continue to follow you, which means you have to take them in a direction. You need to tell them that when you come to my page, you will be following on this ongoing story. So if one day you're talking about politics, the next day you're talking about your kid, the next day you're talking about real estate, people are like, I don't even know what to get on this page. Like you go and look at, you go to Kanye West's page because you want to see him do something crazy. You go to Kim Kardashian's page because you want to see some racy photo. You know, you, 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 right. You, you, you go to, uh, you know, Kevin Hart's page cause you want to see him say something funny. Yeah. Um, the reality is, is you need to know what you want to, you need to know in your brand, what you're known for and your social media has to be that, but it's gotta be one story and you have to take them in one direction and find someone you admire. Oftentimes when I do speaking events, people are like, I, you know, people who are in the audience that came to see me on purpose, uh, rather than accidentally ended up in those chairs. They're like, Hey, like I've been following you for five years or 10 years. Something about what you do speaks to me and I've just been copying you. And I go, bravo. Love it. I had people that I copied when I got into real estate too. And yeah. and that's really the thing is like find people that you love and and copy them. Um, and then and then you start finding your own voice over time. But but uh but but don't be scatterbrained. Like if you wanna if you're frustrated about politics, scream into a pillow. Don't scream <laughs> into wow. your yeah. You know, scream into a villa. Don't scream into your Instagram. Um, if you've got something to, if you made a bunch of money that week or month, probably don't post about it. Like keep yeah. it to yourself. Like there still are things that in common civil society, we are meant to keep to ourselves. And I don't think social media is a place for the scattered kind of vomit of confusion. People are going there for an orderly distraction. And so I think if you can form an Instagram follower base, that, that, that comes to you because they want to see these one, two, three things. Um, what, then what starts happening is what happened with me. I went from a hundred followers to 400 followers to 4,000 followers to 40,000 followers to 70,000 followers and on and on and on and on. Because people know when they come to my page, they're going to usually be educated about what it is to sell real estate or buy real estate, uh, or be in the business. They're going to look at really beautiful houses and every few posts you're going to laugh and like, that's it. That's all I got. That's your core. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, I know we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here. I'm sure some people watching are getting bored, but one thing I do want to touch on real quick is, uh, you know, this California, Texas thing, what the hell is going on? I mean, <laughs> we, we, Seth and I were on a call the other day and we were talking about it and, you know, for me, it's been great for him. It's been great. Uh, he made some good points that, you know, not everyone from California is moving to Texas. There's certain people, certain businesses, things like that. But but it's really good for for everyone involved as a real estate agent. I think, again, 
the way the world has changed with the pandemic, right? Um, it has changed the way our, our businesses are working, social, video, all of that. Now that all ties to all this relocation business, whether it's California, Texas, New York, Texas, Vermont, you know, wherever. Um, I personally feel that's that's the way real estate's going to be sold now. People are moving. They're anxious. Yeah. They're jumping all over the place. You know, my dad was an insurance agent for like 45 years, you know, went to work at nine, came home at six, got out the yellow pages and started cold calling. I can't believe he did that. But, uh, you know, those days are over. You retire, you get your pension. No, no. People are changing jobs or moving, uh, you know, every two, three years. So with the little time we have here, you know, just kind of chime in on on how uh, what's going on in California. We're, we're hearing, hey, this guy's moving here. Oh, Elon Musk is moving here. You know, what what's going on with that? How is it helping your business? Is it hurting your business? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important to underscore first and foremost that, you know, a lot of these businesses that left California didn't pay that much in taxes compared to their to, to the to, to how profitable they were. So. You know, I think it affects us from an employment perspective. I don't believe that the impact, though it is significant, is as significant as as some might believe. Because again, these companies pay pay very little taxes compared to how much money they make, um, which has always been a hard thing for California to keep people. Is is you know, from an employment perspective, I think it's it's a big deal. I think HP hits us a little harder than Tesla. Maybe Tesla as a what that means as a symbol leaving i think hp there's a lot of like high paying jobs i think that hurts us more um you know san diego got crushed when we lost the aeronautics industry in the 90s and that coupled with the snl crisis is part of the reason why you could buy beachfront real estate for a hundred thousand dollars and you know in 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 the late 90s um which then of course became a million bucks in like a couple years um but you know that was a horrible recession for us i think losing businesses is a serious thing that california should be worried about i do not believe that there's anybody democrat or republican um that really likes a lot of what's going on here locally gavin newsom i think is has been very difficult for our state and i think that in his effort to try to uh, create more tax revenue for the state and create a safe place during the coronavirus pandemic, there's probably been some government overreach that has been bad in practice. And it's also been bad symbolically. Um, you know, seeing our businesses boarded up uh, is tough for any local, um, especially when we see that other people's aren't. But, you know, um, this is not meant to make any sort of political opinion about those decisions. But, you know, he's not a very loved governor. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of petitions around recalling him. And I think his actions plus decades of actions to make it really tough to run a business here, whether it's getting permits, getting approvals, building out your office space, uh, you know, look, taxes, of course, are always the biggest thing. People are going, hey, life is easier in Texas. But the thing that's keeping our market in San Diego strong is people, you know, they call it Zoom migration. People in San Francisco and the Bay Area and Seattle and L.A., whether it's the riots of the summer or it's the homelessness, which is so huge on the American West Coast now, it's a major, major issue, um, or it's um, the pandemic, people are coming down to San Diego from these other major cities. So it's interesting, if you look at a map, as our people go to, um, you know, 
Phoenix and Scottsdale and Tucson and Sedona and, you know, all over Texas and et cetera, et cetera, Nashville, Tennessee, we're being replenished by hyper wealthy tech buyers that have stock options from Google and, you know, other stuff like that. So I think that we actually are seeing a much stronger San Diego real estate market than you might think, because a lot of the people that are leaving San Diego primarily can't afford it. They're being replenished by people that are much wealthier, primarily from the tech industry. So actually prices are going like this. Yeah. I do not believe that's sustainable. And I do believe that this will have to get solved because uh, no city exists without a middle class. But I think in the short term, our real estate market is going to be and continue to be one of the hottest markets in America by a margin. Um, but uh, I think that in the meantime, I would never blame someone for wanting to leave California and move to Texas. It's easier to build. It's easier to remodel. It's easier to develop. It's easier to flip. It's easier to run a business. Um, it's better to be a landlord. It's better to be an employer. Um, but, you know, dude, it's 72 in January. Yeah. What's, what's the uh, temperature out right now? Yeah, it's 70. It's 70 every day. It's never not 70. It it is 30, it's 39 degrees right now here in yeah. Texas, which is rare, which is rare, but it snowed yesterday. So probably by Wednesday, yeah. it'll be 82. Um, you know, that's just what happens here. But yeah, yeah and, and I, that. it's still California. It's still beach. It's still 72 degrees almost every day of the year. And that's not going away. That's 100%. 100%. 100%. And I think what's important to know is, you know, people spend their entire lives, you know, they spend their entire lives trying to build their businesses into a place where, you know, they can sell them and move to California. Like yeah. people dream of living in California. This is still a dream. And I don't think this dream is going anywhere. And so I think it's important to underscore that the California dream for once I hit it big, once I have that money, once I sell this company, once money's not a problem, that will always exist. So our coastline yeah. is always going to be very, very popular. But for average working class people that are trying to work their way up the ladder, um, California is a very tough place to do business. Uh, I uh, have not been slowed down by it and I just worked harder. I outworked the problem so I didn't have to leave. Yeah. But not everybody has that ability. Um, and I think that for a very long time, we're going to be reaching hands across America to bring our clients to Texas. And then hopefully when they hit it big, they'll come back and buy a beach house from us. You know, you go. I love it. I love it. But I'm one of those realtors who really believes that though I sell luxury real estate, the middle class is the heartbeat of an economy. Yeah. And I think that problem needs to get solved, not just in California, but nationally. All over the country. Correct. Correct. Uh, all right. Well, lastly, let's, uh, Let's touch before we go. Let's let's hear about your little experience on HGTV. What's going on with that? I know with the pandemic, things kind of slowed down on the production for all shows. Yeah. Uh, you know what? How how? If, if you guys don't know, uh, in the beginning, uh, Mr. O'Burn here is is the star of Hot Properties San Diego. Um, what has that done for your business? I know, yeah. I know, I know you love it. That's your wheelhouse. I love watching you uh, every week. Just uh, tell me what it's done for your business. What what's been the experience, and and what do you see with that in the future? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be quick. So, 
Uh, HGTV is an amazing network. You know, they've probably done more for the, um, you know, I think uh, done more for the American consumer who wants to dream about real estate, imagining remodeling their house and all that other stuff um, than any network in the world ever. Um, They're one of the oldest uh, cable news or cable networks. Um, and I think that their love affair has not just been good for the building industry. It's been really great for us realtors and, um, it's encouraged Americans to buy real estate and buy rental properties and, and, and not just, you know, not just dream about moving to Nashville or San Diego or Hawaii, but actually do it because they they see that it's possible. Um, I think that that is, uh, they are an asset to the American psyche. I believe they are. But, but um, our show is incredible. We filmed for 800 hours in 2019 uh, uh, on, on top of a lot of other things for a lot of us. So it was crazy. Um, you couldn't shut down your business either. So I know that. No, 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 no. Absolutely. Our business was cranking. And, you know, I'm, you know, I mean, you know, I'm part owners in American Dream and, and, you know, American Dream, you know, went to 54 cities and, you know, is, is, is a, a way, 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 very well valued company um, with major, major Fortune 500 company partners now. I mean, it's an incredible company. And I was, you know, helping to grow the media company and filming for a TV show and selling 130 houses in a year. And I had my first baby um, and I flew to 34 cities in 2019 for national public speaking events. Um, It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, So show started airing in the beginning of 2020 like very beginning of 2020, our, our last show uh, aired and got a little over a million views, which is really good for an HGTV show. And then the pandemic hit about 10 days later. And um, and so it sent us into a tailspin. We still have our contract and we're still in, we're still in talks with HGTV and our production company. We may have the same show come back. It may morph into a new show. Um, we do have some other stuff that we've been working on. Actually, it's a little bit like non-disclosure agreement right now. It's a little NDA, but, um, we have another thing that we're working on that's, that's could be really cool. Um, but, but, um, I love HGTV. I love being on TV. I love, I love watching television. I love making television. Um, I think real estate is a great topic for, and, and there's endless numbers of stories. Um, it was tough for me because definitely some people thought I was Mr. Hollywood, and they're yeah. like, well, I don't want you to come over and sell my house because, you know, you just work with famous people now. And, you know, I don't have a red carpet on the sidewalk in front of my house. So I got made fun of a lot and I got a hard time. Um, but it's been in the long run, it's been excellent because when yeah. I talk to people on, a, you know, my the, our show is about me marketing houses and about me being, you know, you know, unusually successful in, in creative marketing. And so when I sit down with a seller and they've talked like 10 agents, I'm like, well, HGTV made a show about me as a marketer of real estate. So I think it's a vote of confidence. So I think it helps me get listings. Um, I don't get a lot of business that comes from it, but I think of course it's a credibility piece. Um, And then also I've gained friendships with other people who have other HGTV shows. It's paid dividends too. Awesome. Well, I know when I had my little stint earlier this year on house hunters, you were the first person I called and you know, I thought the same thing. Oh, look at Seth. Oh, Hollywood. I kind of nicknamed you Hollywood, right? And yeah. uh, dude, that was hard work. Like, you know, I was like, you know, and I mean, I was on a much, much, much lower level, I know, but 
the whole th- the whole production what HGTV does. I mean, it was four days in a row of just you be there at eight a.m. You better not be there at eight oh one. And you know, I'm thinking, oh yeah, this is gonna be fun, dude. We wrapped up at like nine thirty ten at night, and I'm eating my arm and I'm sweating, yeah. and tired, and then you know, I've got nine hundred emails and phone calls. You couldn't shut down your business, right? So no, it's it's really tough. Yeah, we were we were so we were we would either do a house hunt, a remodel. Or um, or an open house on every episode. Usually, some episodes would have all three. Yeah. And um, you know, we were on job sites. I was, you know, peeing in a in a honey bucket. You know, you know, like a, one of those you know portable bathrooms. You know, doing my makeup in a garage with the makeup artist, and you know, taking phone calls in bushes so no one would hear me. Mm-hmm. It was not glamorous. It was fun and wild and crazy, and I'll I, I'll I love it, and I would love to film again for yeah. HBO. I hope we get another opportunity. Um, but dude, no doubt, like you know, that's why anytime a realtor you know speaks poorly about someone who has a TV show and is a realtor, I'm like, look, dude, you don't get to the level to get a show, or get to the level of being able to be sophisticated enough that you can balance a show and a massive business yeah. without being good at what you do, like. You know, it's pretty easy to be like, oh, you know, those million dollar listing guys or those HGTV yeah, guys. No, that's I have a I have a whole new respect for those guys on million dollar listing and all that. We were knocking on one of the houses the electricity wasn't on and the toilets didn't work. So the producer from California, right, goes, little lady, you know, probably mid fifties, goes, Tommy, come with me. And we we go across the street, knock on a door. She's got $200 in her hands. And I had a reminder. I was like, you know, we're in Texas. Like people yeah. might, we might get shot. Like, it might just happen. And little old lady answers the door and, you know, hey, we're filming HGTV. House. Oh my gosh, I love that show. She's like, here's $200. Can we use your bathroom periodically? Throughout the <laughs> the lady was like, oh yeah, let me show you your home. Then she starts showing me her home, like, it, you know, we're filming. But And you got the listing. And you got yeah, the listing. There you go. There you go. So, hey, dude, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for jumping on here. Uh, you know, I can't thank you enough. This is something that I really want to do this year. I'd love to have you back on here in a couple months as we get into the year. Um, from the comments and, and the people watching, I, th- I think, you know, they know we're genuine. I want to just provide value. You know, selling is sure. fun, but I think as you grow in your business, doing this type of stuff, helping other agents out, helping other businesses out—that's what I—I've got a passion for it. And, and there was no better person to have than you on this first episode. So, man, I—I I, I thank you. I love you, man, and uh, I wish you the very best this year. And um, let's do it again soon. All right, brother. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I'd love to come back on. This was awesome. Perfect. All right, buddy. Have a good week. Love you, man. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the TP Talk podcast. Make sure to follow us also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram as we will be adding content weekly. Ah!